Praise the Lord. We're going to talk to you about water baptism, um, which um, is a, a major part of, of the New Testament church. And we see this um, in the book of Acts when the New Testament church began. Um, but um, we have actually as a church a statement of faith concerning it. And it is that the ordinance of baptism by immersion is commanded in the scriptures. All who repent and believe on Christ as Savior and Lord are to be baptized. Thus they declare to the world that they have died with Christ and that they have been raised with him to walk in newness of life. Praise God. So we're going to talk about um, a few different aspects of water baptism. And uh, first is who told us to be baptized. Uh, Second is what was the mode of baptism in Bible times. And third, what is the symbolism or significance of the ordinance? And then um, fourth is what is the right formula for administering the ordinance? And then five is who are scripturally qualified to be baptized. Um, in in a preparation, I was looking at all the different things that were said about baptism, and uh, uh, initially it said, oh, there's three baptisms, then I saw seven, then I saw nine, and then I saw 79 different times that baptism is mentioned in the New Testament. And I'm like, oh my goodness, wow, I'm not going to be able to fully prepare for this message, you know. And, uh, but uh, so though people differ on how many different kinds of baptisms uh, there are, uh, there is, of course, uh, the one that is the most important uh, being um, uh, what we are going to talk about today. Um, we, we know that, uh, that in uh, actually 1 Corinthians um, it talks about the baptism of Moses in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and, uh, which is a type and shadow of the, the one that, that we are speaking of today. And, of course, Moses and the, the Hebrew children passed through the waters, Red Sea, which was a type of baptism. And we know that the, it didn't go so well for the, um, the soldiers and, and Pharaoh. But anyhow, uh, so, so we are uh, moving forward with baptism um, in water. And, of course, we are aware around this church about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? Uh, So there is another baptism. Uh, uh, We have the baptism of John the Baptist, which is different than the baptism uh, that we will be um, exercising today. But we'll see some of that in this particular message. So let's, uh, first of all, um, who told us to be baptized? We know that in Matthew uh, chapter 28, um, Jesus um, spoke of us uh, going into all the world and preaching the gospel and baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we know Jesus Uh, set forth this ordinance. This is not something uh, that we just recently came up with. This is something that Jesus actually spoke of um, before he actually departed. And so we know that uh, um, we are to exercise this and uh, uh, we will talk about its significance because sometimes people get confused about um, what it actually does and what it actually means. So uh, Jesus was the initial one. We know the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2 in verse 38 said, uh, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we know uh, the apostle Peter, right from Jump Street, the beginning of the church, um, immediately referenced water baptism. And... uh, uh, I just want to uh, put people to rest uh, uh, really quick uh, up front. Um, I, we're we're, we're going to look at it from the scriptures, but I want to say up front because I don't want you to just miss everything else I'm saying, waiting on whether or not we believe that water baptism saves you. Water baptism does not save you. There. Okay. Now you can listen. All right. So. 
Um, so then in, uh, um, again, Peter says the same thing in Acts chapter 10, verse 47. Um, he says, uh, who can stop these from being baptized, which have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? So we see Peter a couple times in the book of Acts. Um, then uh, the apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19, we see him um, actually baptizing. Uh, we're, we're making an argument because we do believe that you should be water baptized. It was very aggressively done in the beginning of the church, and uh, uh, people have taken it different ways, uh, but we know they did believe in this. And uh, the Apostle Paul, who here in Acts chapter uh, 19, it says, uh, it says he passed through the upper coast, he found some disciples there, and uh, uh, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Now, this is an interesting statement, because if, if he assumes uh, that they're, they're believers and may not have the Holy Ghost, that means that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is a subsequent experience to being saved. Y'all with me? Uh, we're just going to kill a couple of, you know, sacred cows here today. And, and so we know that, that he's asking this question, and these guys are like, we didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. And, and he's like, what? Then he was wondering what they were baptized in. And they said, John's baptism. And he said, well, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance. So that's a different baptism. So here we have another baptism. Isn't that right? So now we've talked about the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism in water, and the baptism of John, John's baptism, which really just made the way for the Lord. And there's a lot of people in churches, you know, that have had that happen. Maybe they've, they've turned away from certain things. And, and sometimes uh, people say something like, oh, I turned over a new leaf. Well, listen, turning a no, a, over a new leaf doesn't get you into heaven. You can, you can shovel all the leaves out of the yard and not get saved. You can quit smoking, drinking, cussing, jumping. Oh, never mind. Anyways, all those things. No matter how many leaves you turn over, unless you are born again, right? And so Paul was basically straightening that out, saying that John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, which makes the way. Listen, turning away from sin is a good start, isn't that right? But it's not the end of the story. I always tell people, uh, do you clean up before you get in the bathtub or do you get in the bathtub to get cleaned up? And, And most people would say, no, I get in the bathtub. We don't take a little spit bath first and then get in. No, we get in. That's what I did. I just got in. When I got in, all the dirt left. Praise the Lord. Jesus came, cleaned me, washed me, made me whole. Y'all with me? So he said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Having heard this, they believed, right? And he baptized them. And then... They uh, prayed for them, and they got filled with the Holy Ghost after. Praise the Lord. All right. So uh, that was Paul. He baptized. And then in, in Acts uh, chapter 8, <clears throat> verses 14 through 16, we see Peter and John. It says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they sent for Peter and John um, for the purpose of getting these people that had been saved and water baptized filled with the Holy Ghost. So again, we see here that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a subsequent experience to salvation. And uh, you can get all this today, by the way, if you want. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Hallelujah. (laughs) 
So here, whoever the people were before Peter and John, whoever those people were, they had already baptized the people. So we see this activity going on in the church. So it was more than just the apostles doing it. it they were trained, the people were trained to baptize people after they got saved. And then Philip, we know the story about Philip, Acts 8, 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And uh, so Philip, this is a really cool story, by the way, because Philip baptizes this eunuch, and then he shows up somewhere else. Yeah, there's no jet lag in that. You just show up. It's pretty cool. And so he's uh, baptizing this guy who doesn't know the scriptures when he comes up to him. And then he reveals to him who Jesus was. And he said, well, then what's stopping me? There's some water. It's interesting the eunuch had that. Here's some water. What's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip went and baptized him. Isn't this interesting? So the church was very, very, uh, the early church was very aggressive in baptizing people. Praise the Lord. And, uh. Hallelujah. So they ba- valued baptism. And of course, we know the mode of water baptism is water. Isn't that right? And it says, then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture preaching unto, about Jesus, Acts 8, 35 through 36, verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And so we know that you need water for a baptism. This is kind of a no brainer, right? Everybody's like, whoa, what do you need for water baptism? Well, you need water. But you understand that uh, so not all churches are baptizing in uh, submerging. Some are sprinkling. But even the ones that are sprinkling know that the original is submersion. But it's just not convenient to wet people. Because then you've got to dry off. Well, let's just thank God that Jesus didn't say that's not convenient because he was, he was baptized into our death. And one script, one translation said he, he drank the dregs of death's bitter cup. And speaking of the event, uh, Jesus, um, they, they wanted a sign. Show us a sign. Show us a sign. They're like a, like a, do a God trick or something. And he said, a wicked generation. He said, the only sign I give you is the sign of Jonah. And he said, just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the big fish, so must the son of man be in the heart of the earth. So we, we see how Jesus is calling the heart of the earth. This must be where hell is. It is a, a natural, hot, lava-filled place. As we know, in the natural, the center of the earth is molten lava. It's hot, but uh, there must be a supernatural hell there as well. A place of the dead. And so, so he points to Jonah, and he says, just like that. And then you go to Jonah chapter 2, and you read how Jonah's voice was in that particular experience. And, and, and Jonah, he's is, is crying out to God, and it says there, I, out of the belly of hell cried I. It says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. He's in a fish. Interesting prophetic statement, isn't it? And then Jesus references him. When you go reference what he said, then you see what Jesus was going to experience. Jesus did not go to suck cactus coolers with Abraham and the boys. Because he pointed to Jonah. You see that. That can't be the, the case. I mean, have you ever been swallowed by a whale or a fish? Can you imagine what that experience would be like? 
to be inside of a, of a whale and, and smelling rotten fish, suffocation, seaweed, and nastiness, the acids of the whale's stomach burning your flesh as it tries to digest you? Jesus experienced that from what, what's interesting is we measure that time because he died on this day, rose on this day. It's hard for us to imagine that we who were doomed for eternity in hell, that it could be paid for in that amount of time. But you understand that when you leave this realm and go into that realm, time is not the same. We have no conscious ability to understand the extent of the suffering that he suffered for us that was able to pay the penalty of what we deserved in that place. And so when we come to this place of baptism, it is a a connection with him and our union with him that he went down when, when when he went down, we went down. And the good news is, is when he came up, we came up. And we get a glimpse of, we get a glimpse of his experience from Jonah. We get a glimpse of that experience from the Psalms. In Psalm 22, Psalm 28, the experience, we see his experience in that horrific place. That thy waves and thy billows came over me. All the different verbiage. The dogs of Bashan. The strong dogs of Bashan encompassed about me. This prophetic experience of Christ in that horrific place. Suffering what you and I really deserved. To suffer. Wherever you would have had to gone to pay for your sins. That is where he went. And that is what we declare when we are baptized. That I have died and my life has been buried and raised. So however inconvenient getting fully immersed in water may be, (laughs) I'm grateful and thankful that Jesus Christ inconvenienced himself if we could use such a word and went down into the lower regions to suffer my deserved penalty. A torment that we will never have to experience that we fully deserve. He paid a pet, he paid a debt he did not owe, and I owed a debt I could not pay. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
So there's a going down and there's a coming out of the water. There's always going to be a, a baptizee and a baptizer. The symbolism we see in Romans 6, 4. Let's look there. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 in the King James, it says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Isn't that wonderful that we now can walk in this new life? Praise the Lord. The life of God that we have been restored, we have been delivered, we have been set free. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So again, um, I will say water baptism doesn't save you. It is simply a symbolism of an outward uh, symbolism of an inward reality or something that took place in you when you accepted Christ. You understand that 2,000 years ago, uh, you know, Jesus... Uh, did this for us. And he took all humanity from Adam, you know, being the first man, until the end of time, whatever that would be, whatever the last person would be, and he took all humanity into himself, and then he went down and suffered the full penalty of all of our sins. So before you were conceived, your sins had already been paid for. And so legally, all humanity, all of us, our sins have been paid for. All humanity. Legally. But it doesn't become a vital reality for you until you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so uh, we uh, then, at that point, um, realize that death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And it becomes a reality in us and for us. And, and changes eternity for us. Hallelujah. So, uh, regardless uh, of, of what some people are, are thinking about this redemption, it must be received. It must be received. So, so me, uh, being a, a religious person growing up, you know, I had a concept of, of God, and, and uh, uh, we were cool, you know, but I wasn't saved. I was just religious. Praise God. Hallelujah. We'll get over that. I'm going to get back to that in a second. Colossians uh, chapter 2 and verse 12 says, that we were buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And uh, I like uh, what Pastor David has said um, so uh, eloquently that uh, it's, it's justified. You know, we've been justified. It's justified hadn't sinned. And that... that we were, we, when we were justified, we were justified with him together. And uh, so, so we are raised because he was justified. We were justified. He couldn't be justified unless we were justified. It's just all together. 
And now we are the righteousness of God. I love that. Praise God. You should get that message. We have that on our website from Pastor David about righteousness. Good stuff. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so then uh, we're going to move, move over to uh, the formula of which we baptize people as commanded in Matthew 28 um, and 18. Uh, but in 18 through 20 of Matthew 28, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we make sure ever that all the bases are covered by the authority and the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. In case somebody asks you, were you baptized in the name of Jesus? You can say, absolutely I was. Praise God. Send them on their way. Live free and be happy. And so, praise God. So, so um, when, when we do that, we're declaring something over you. This is a reality that has taken place. And it says, we say to the world. So, so I love to have uh, people come and, and uh, family members come and see. People invite them to their baptism so that, that you're, you're declaring this. There's a declaration. There must be something about the symbolism of baptism that helps people. In fact, Jesus, though he was sinless, John baptized him. And John's like, wait, I need to have you baptize me. Why am I baptizing you? And he said that all things may be fulfilled. And so he did. And when he came up out of the water, the heavens were open. Interesting. As Jesus fulfilled that which was spoken, then, then heavens were open. And I've seen people have all kinds of amazing experiences in water baptism. It's so cool. People have come up out of the water speaking in tongues and get filled with the Holy Ghost sometimes. People get set free from cigarettes. People get set free. Listen, cigarettes don't send you to hell. It just makes you smell like you've been there. That's all. Yeah. Just, yeah. And so, so, so it's not a, a condemnation thing. I'm just saying people get free from things they don't want to have in their life. Something takes place. There's something glorious when you uh, baptize people in water. And the, and the early church believed in it. And, the, and there, there's something that takes place supernatural or else uh, what are we doing this for? It's not just dipping you in some H2O and it means nothing. No, it means something. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not angry. I'm just having a good time. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. So, so who's qualified to be water baptized? Who's qualified to be water baptized? It's a good question. Let's look at Acts um, 2.38. Acts 2.38. And this is uh, Peter. And we've read this. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Turn to your neighbor and say, Repent. Repent, <laughs> Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the word repent there um, actually means a, a conscious thing that you decide. Um, me personally, I don't know how many people were raised in Catholicism like I was. I was in there deep. I was an altar boy the whole nine yards, you know. And, uh, and uh, so, so I was baptized as a baby. I didn't know I was, but I was. And uh, so... 
not only, you know, if you don't know you're being water baptized, other than they irritated you and you start crying or whatever, and, uh, uh, but certainly I couldn't repent of my sins at, you know, however many months old I was, right? So just this statement alone, repent and be baptized, would disqualify um, infant baptism. Uh, we ask for young people to be at least seven years old. We, we want people to have a consciousness of what they're doing and understanding of salvation and redemption. Does that make sense, everyone? Yeah. And so, so we, we do that, and, and uh, uh, people, people will uh, come up at seven, and sometimes even then I'll, I, I will ask them in, in the tub, uh, do, you, do you know if you died, you'd go to heaven? And these little kids were like, no. Great. But man, we had our baptismal, formerly it was behind here, and, and uh, we had a lot of people one time, and, and I don't know, there must have been close to 40 people, and probably half of them I asked if they knew if they died, they'd go to heaven, and they said, no, I don't know. I want to say, get out of my water. Because it says repent and be baptized. So there's a, a time, and I get it, you know, people just didn't know. I'm glad they're coming. I mean, that's a wonderful thing, don't get me wrong. But I was praying with person after person to get saved in the, the tub. It took a long time. And so uh, now, now we teach on before and then get you saved. Get saved there, here, and then there we just baptize. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So in the, uh, the New Living Translation of, uh, excuse me, let's look at Romans chapter 7 and verse 9. King James it says in the, in the King James, Romans 7, 9, it says, For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Now, this is an interesting statement. So, so when the law came, sin revived and I died. In the New Living Translation, it comes across a little bit clearer. It says, at one time I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. We actually have a name of, uh, we, we call this the age of accountability. It's not an age. It's not like at five years old this happens or seven or whatever. It's whenever you know right from wrong and choose wrong. Death comes in, just like Adam. On the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. So on the day that you covet, you die. On the day that you lie, on the day that you steal, on the day that whatever the commandment was when you were growing up as a child and, and you chose the sin, there was a point. If you think you're 40 and didn't do it, you're wrong. The Bible actually covers that really well. All have sinned and have fallen short. <laughs> right? No, none are righteous. No, not even one. <laughs> but yet Jesus lived his life sinless. We know that he's the only one who did. But so at this point of your life, when you know right from wrong and you choose wrong in whatever area it is, a death comes into you and you must be born 
again or refathered from above because at that moment when you uh, chose wrong, a death entered into you and you transferred from having God as your father and Satan became your father and you must be born again at that point. There's only two spiritual fathers. So he says, I once was alive apart from the law, but when the law came, sin revived and I died. So who's qualified to be water baptized? You have to be born again to be water baptized. You don't get water baptized to, to get born again. You must be repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Hallelujah. I'm hoping helping somebody. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That you understand this. That we as a church, we believe in water baptism, uh, but we aren't uh, believing that if you don't, you're not going to heaven. It is an aspect and part of your Christianity, that when you get saved, we water baptize you. Thus, you say to the world, you're making a statement to the world, I have died, and my life is hidden with Christ in God. In Acts chapter 19, um, uh, we see uh, Apostle Paul again in Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether it be a Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So he's, he's dealing with um, uh, a lot of times people like many of us. I was religious, you know, and, uh, you know, I had been living a crazy lifestyle, but I did not miss church on Sunday. Oh, yeah, I was smoking weed, partying my brains out, and having party, 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 party. Do all kind of crazy stuff, but I did not miss church. I did not miss church. Now, people are laughing because, you know, you've been to churches like that. Where, where you're like, what is going on? It's just a club. You know? And, uh, man, I love to go to church because a lot of pretty girls were there. Yeah? And, uh, you know, and then, you know... The whole confession thing, you know, in, in the Catholic Church, you go to confession. You go into a room, and the priest slides a door, and, he's, and, and we're telling him our sins, which is useless. <laughs> useless. I mean, I'm cracking jokes, you know, in line with the rest of the kids, you know. I'm like, I hope he brought a sleeping bag. I hope he's got a long time. You know, we're just making fun. And you run down the ones you thought you, that it would be cool for him to know. Think about the uselessness of telling a, a human being, you know. Now, if you sin against somebody, that's different. That you talk to them, you say, I'm sorry, forgive me. But me running up to you and just telling you all those stupid stuff I do, you can't help me. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And he's the man. And so when I am going to come back to him, I come to him and tell him, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. And that is a good thing for you to do if you have. 
And when you do, you should. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see that? Not one priest was involved in that. And so we are grateful and thankful for this new access we have to God through Jesus Christ, our mediator, who ever lives to make intercession for us. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So it's more than just turning over a new leaf. It's more than, uh, you know, I don't, I don't do those things that I used to do. No, I have come to him and given my whole self to him. So my whole existence now to walk in newness of life is, has been changed. Where none of those things have a hold of me anymore. In one moment, I, I was set free from smoking weed and all those many things. In one moment, I was redeemed from fornication. In one moment, I was. I didn't know that alcohol was a thing with, with God. I didn't know it. The priest drank. Everybody I knew drank in the Catholic Church, so I didn't know it was a deal. It was not a real stronghold on me too much. I drank all the time, but it wasn't a stronghold. I... And you just keep telling yourself that. So I literally didn't have a consciousness of it being wrong, but the Holy Spirit talked to me. Isn't that the wonderful thing about our Lord? Is that if it's wrong, he'll tell you. And if you're listening at all, you'll know. And I gave that up. And I was chewing tobacco. I grew up in a place, that's all they do. I mean, they gave it to babies there, you know? Girls chew tobacco where I'm from. It's logging town. It's like, hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You can't even start a conversation without spitting first, you know? <laughs> and that was, one of, that was one of the latter things that God helped me with. Um, because uh, when he, he said, why are you doing that? Like he did with the alcohol. I, I knew the answer was, you don't want me to do this. Okay, but it was the hardest thing I quit. I mean, I dreamed about chewing. Dreamed about it. I spit on my pillow one night. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dang it. <laughs> After I had quit, you know, it was like, so it was deep. <laughs> but I was walking in newness of life. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so whatever has a hold on you, whatever has a hold on you, it doesn't matter how long it has had that hold, you have inside of you the ability to overcome it. Whatever defiling force has come against your life, you have inside of you the ability to overcome it. Glory to God. I smoked weed every single day until that day. Since I was 12 years old, I was smoking weed. That had a hold on me. But that was broken 
as soon as I got born again. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. So who's qualified to be baptized? Those who are born again. In uh, Mark 16, 16, this is kind of a passage that's misunderstood. And it says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, if you stop there, you might think you have to be baptized to be saved. Isn't that right? But the second half of this verse clarifies. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, if you were supposed to be baptized in that statement, it should say, but he that believeth not and is not baptized. Do you understand what I'm saying? We lost the baptism because that isn't the saving part. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Y'all understand? And scripture after scripture confirms, you know, that, uh, you know, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, right, you shall be saved. And even, even diminished in verse 13 of, of, of uh, Romans 10 actually says, For as many as call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that means you could be driving down the road drunk, fly off a cliff, and go, Jesus! <laughs> Land in heaven. That'll sober you up right there, I'm telling you. So, so, I'm trying to say that you always have to interpret Scripture with Scripture and not start a whole doctrine based on a misunderstanding of one. Because Scripture must be supported by Scripture. You understand? So it says, he that believeth and is baptized will be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So it's on the believing part. We know this. We know for as many as call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that you'll be saved. For as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. Isn't that right? No water baptism mentioned scripture after scripture after scripture. I could keep going, but do you understand? But we believe in water baptism. 